Good morning. My name's Andrew. It's great that you're able to join with us today. And um, today is a very special day. Do any of the children know what day it is today? No. You got any children? What day is it today? Children's Day. Yeah. Anyone got any other ideas? Go on. Thank you, Sean. The big children got there. <laughs> yeah. So a very happy Father's Day um, to all the fathers that with us, the father figures um, within the church. Um, I hope you have a really great day today. A happy Father's Day to my dad because this is the first time I've seen him this morning. So there we go. I have remembered. <laughs> so um, it's great that you're able to be with us um, this morning. If you're new, hopefully as you came in, you would have been given one of our welcome packs. Um, within that is a welcome card, one of these um, connect cards, bright orange, um, which is a great way for you to fill in a little bit of information about yourself so that we can get to know you better and um, find out how we can help you. If you've got any questions you want to ask us, um, that's an opportunity for you to find out some more information by filling that in as well. Um, this morning, Christine will be leading us um, in worship, and I'll be handing over to her in a moment, and Andrew will be coming to bring um, God's word to us. Um, if you have any contributions during this morning, then please come up um, to the front, myself and Rob, and um, we'll, we'll find a time um, that's appropriate to share those this morning. So any contributions, come up to the front and speak to me and Rob, and we'll find a time to put those in this morning. Children, uh, Christine will... Um, tell you when it's time for you to go down to your uh, groups this morning. So wait for Christine um, to let you know when that will be. And now I'll hand over to Christine. Thank you, Andrew. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God a great king above all gods. So I invite you to stand if you can and join with us as we sing to him. Open up our hearts and pour your praises out. Ooh, 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 ooh,
Because your love came down, it makes me want to sing. It makes me want to sing. Because, because, because you called my name. I'm waking up to sing. I'm waking up to sing. We will sing and shout, yeah. Sing and shout. Open up our hearts and pour your praises out. We will sing and shout, yeah. Sing and shout. Open up our hearts and pour your praises out. What could be better than the grace that wishes all our shame away? What could be better than your great love? What could be better than the grace that leads us home, makes a way? What could be better than your great love? What could, what could be better than the grace that washes all our shame away? What could be better than your great love? What could be better? Father, that you are a God worth praising. Thank you that we love you, we honor you, and we want to just worship you this morning. Send your spirit to help us do that, we pray. Welcome you here. 
As we think of today being Father's Day, none of our earthly fathers, however good they are, are perfect. But our Heavenly Father is perfect. And we're going to sing Good, Good Father now.
Thank you for that love. Thank you that it tells us who we are. We are your children. And Father, now be with our children as they go to their groups. Bless them, I pray. May they learn something of you. May they know your presence. And may those who are helping and teaching know your love as well. Amen. So, uh, this morning, when I, I was uh, thinking about 
this morning coming here and I had a sense of looking around and the news is not really particularly exciting, nothing really um, that can, you know, is there to perhaps give you a little bit of hope. But um, I was the Lord was reminding me, um, you know, throughout any circumstance, particularly when, when we're saying that kind of helplessness or lack of vision and, and lack of hope, and uh, the Lord was reminding that we need to, um, we should not be overwhelmed, um, and we need to see God's vision uh, and see things around us in a way he sees them and um, because God is our love and he's our strength and uh, he he's also our shield and he's our rock and we need forever um, be reminded of his love all the days of our lives uh, I thought I'd just share that because that then puts things into perspective and uh, not to be overwhelmed and just fix our eyes on him because he's our Lord and he's our strength and our rock and he will see us through whatever circumstance or situation we are facing anytime. Thank you, Clem. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over the flock under his care, if only you would listen to his voice today. So let's sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Let's stand and sing worthy of every song we could ever sing. at the beginning again, worthy of every song. 
Show me. 
Why don't you tell him how much you love him? Why don't you thank him for what he's doing in your life? Verse 1 again, King of Kings.
Thank you, band. I just felt stirred to for, to bring a reminder, really. I, I think men are terrible at asking for help, yeah? Especially when it comes to finding some in the supermarket or directions or whatever. But actually, you know, we can all be pretty poor at it sometimes. And we've just been singing about the wonder and the glory of our Father God. How great he is. And yet so often we, we can say, yep, yep, God will help me. But we never actually ask for that help. We never pause and seek him. And I, I just felt stirred really to remind us to read a few verses. Uh, these are from the Old Old Testament, um, Psalm 32, verses 7 and 8. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. From Exodus 33, my God speaking, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. From Deuteronomy 33, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And another one from the Psalm, Psalm 34, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. I mean, these were written thousands of years ago. God is unchanging. Our God is there to help us. He is more than able. And I, I just felt God wanted to remind us of that. Trust him. Ask him. Depend upon him because he will help you. I just want to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Jan who's going to bring a testimony. Lord, we've been singing about the wonder of you. How incredible you are. All the things that you have already done for us. But you're longing to do so much more. This is Father's Day. You are the perfect father. Longing to lavish gifts on your children, longing to draw alongside us when we are crying or in times of trouble to help us, to pick us up. But so often, so often, we forget to ask. We, we, we don't cry out to you. And I, I pray, Lord, that we would cry out to you in our times of trouble. We'd cry out to you in our times of need, but also at all other times as well. We would depend upon you, seeking you. Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit, you would stir each of our hearts to depend upon you more and more and more each and every day, to trust you and to know that you can achieve all that you say you will do. Amen. Jan. Good morning. I know it looks long, but it's actually double-spaced. Okay, so. <laughs> My name is Jan, and I've given this testimony two titles. I wasn't expecting that. All perfect moments. I work in hospitality most... Sorry. I work in hospitality. Most of the time, I go to lots of different places, from Sainsbury's to five-star hotels. But recently, I've been working at Goodwood Racecourse. At the beginning of the racing season, my boss said that I could do a supervisor back-of-house role in one of the grandstands. I had previously mentioned that I felt I had the work skills and experience to do this. I was full of confidence that I could carry this through. Over the last six weeks, on live days, the race course has been getting busier and busier. On a few occasions, I have been asked to work in other restaurants to help out with the demands of racegoers. 
One of my favourite areas is to be in the annual members' restaurant and cafe. It's the front of house role, looking after Goodwood members, their families and friends, as well as serving the odd cup of tea. Last Friday, the 10th of June, was supposed to be like any other Friday night live day. The horse racing starts at 4.30 in the afternoon and the Radio 1 DJs take over at 9pm. I arrived at work at midday to find that where I was working in one of the grandstands, as a supervisor in a back-of-house role, had just got a lot busier. When I left work the previous night, I knew that we were going to be serving 96 guests in eight private boxes, all having three-course meals. By Friday afternoon, that had increased to 144 guests in 12 boxes, all having three-course meals. Well, once I was all prepared and set up, I took time to pray to God to ask him for a good shift because previous ones had been busy and things had gone wrong. And this time I was working with managers and chefs that I hadn't worked with before. I really needed his guidance and for things to just not go wrong. Well, I was blessed with a really good team of waiters and our guests were great and they had a lovely day out. The managers were calm and understanding of the situation that my staff and I had been put in. However, for some reason, things did start to go wrong. I gave the wrong sack. By the way, no one died in this situation, okay? I gave the wrong salads to the wrong guests. We didn't have enough condiments to offer the meals. Conversations and changes to the menu to what the guests had previously ordered were happening all around me. It was a very busy and noisy atmosphere. And I knew then that I couldn't do this anymore, but I couldn't just give in. At that moment, my friend, who I wasn't working with, asked me if I was okay and how was I doing. Didn't have time to chat to you. I'll talk to you later. Then, all of a sudden, one of my team said to me, Jan, isn't that food order meant to be for box seven and not box two? Oh, my goodness. I had delivered the wrong main course to the wrong box. So we rushed in, gathered up the food, and gave it to the correct box. Well, that was the straw that broke it all for me. I was very thankful for that team member, but I was also so upset. My boss took me somewhere to calm down, work it all through. But I was so annoyed with myself and really felt that it was my fault. And why hadn't God answered my prayers? My boss said to me, this role is not for you. You've given it a go, but this is not where your skills lie. We're going to move you for the next live race day. We don't know where it'll be, but please do not worry about it tonight or where you'll be working. It wasn't your fault. And what really threw you is that we went from 96 to 144 guests overnight. Jan, I wouldn't want to do this role. Don't beat yourself up about it, of which I do. And go and have a good rest of the shift. Thank you, God. But why haven't you answered my prayers? And then just at that moment, my friend appeared again. Did someone come and get you? How did you know that I was upset? No one came to get me and I didn't know you were upset. I just came up to see you. What a normal but divine thing to do. 
That was the first of three perfect moments that evening. Sorted myself out, carried on with the rest of the food service. About an hour later, I got the chance to go for a break, went downstairs to get a coffee. While downstairs, one of the Goodwood directors said, and where have you been and why are you not down here with us? I've been working upstairs. Well, I don't want that to happen again. I want you down here with us next time. That was the recognition I needed. Perfect moment number two. Later on that evening, once things had quietened down, I was sitting upstairs, quiet space, getting ready for the next day. Then I heard a bottle smash and lots of cheering. I looked out, couldn't see anyone around except some broken glass. So I went downstairs, helped to clear it up, and discovered actually that no one had thrown a bottle. It was just a gust of wind. Going back into the bar area, it was busy and lots of people and lots of noise. I was in my happy place, so I was in the cafe, and perfect no moment number three. I finished at 12.30am last Saturday morning. I was sad and disappointed with myself on the drive home. But thank you, Lord, because I slept really well. And two of my colleagues called me on Saturday morning to make sure that I was okay, which I was, probably because I'd put him first. The previous night didn't affect me like it sometimes does. But God didn't answer my prayer for a good shift. I had a great time and we were very supportive and we worked well together. But God answered my prayer in a way which I didn't expect him to. And his answer to my prayer is much better than my request. His answer to my prayer is a long-standing answer. I don't need to worry about food going into the wrong boxes anymore. His long-standing answer is that I can work in a front-of-house role in a cafe and enjoy being with the guests. It's my happy place. And if you get a chance to listen to anything this week, the song that I'd recommend is Shepherd by Bethel Music. Brilliant. Thank you, Jan. Isn't that interesting how we have Sean giving us an encouragement to trust God? And uh, Jan was going to share that testimony actually last week. And we said, can you put it back to this week? Um, sense God wants to remind us that he is supernaturally trustworthy. And I think too often we can allow the, the, the norm, our normal expectations to prevent us from seeing what God wants to do. And uh, I think it was an encouragement today. Let's trust him. Let's trust him. And uh, let's see where he wants to take us in this other part. But let's just respond for a moment because I, I feel something in this. Father, you call us to trust you in every circumstance. To surrender ourselves to you. And we want to do that today. We want to trust you. We want to put our trust in you. Not just our trust for salvation, something which in one sense we have very little control over, but to trust you in all those other things, those things which it would be very easy to take control of. And to say, Lord, you are Lord. You are our Lord. Be Lord of our lives. We choose to put our trust in you. We choose to put our faith in you today. Help us to make, live those uh, decisions day by day which reflect that 
We trust you. Even now, Holy Spirit, I ask, come and help us to put our confidence in you, our trust in you. Remind us of how good our Heavenly Father is, how loving he is, how trusting he is, or rather trustworthy he is. Help us, Lord. It doesn't come easy, it doesn't come naturally, but help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us to grow in trusting you. Good. Well, uh, today I get to um, continue Sean's excellent preach from last week. If you weren't here, Sean uh, preached on the subject of relationships last week, and we decided to make this a two-parter preach series. And um, uh, so I'm going to continue. Last week, Sean uh, laid out uh, four key foundations for how we do relationships, and this week I get the subject of conflict. And you may think, conflict? Cool. Well, okay, Andrew, go for it. And uh, even as I use that word, conflict, in some of us probably there is a, a churning going on, a sense of, oh no, not conflict. Why conflict? Surely that's not Christian. Why on earth are we talking about conflict today? And uh, it's interesting, isn't it? We all have a different reaction to the subject of conflict. Me, I grew up in a a household where I never, apart from once, ever saw my parents have a conflict. Uh, And not even an animated disagreement. They just seemed to get on well with each other and... I'm not quite sure how they did it or for what reasons, but conflict was never seen by the kids. Whether it happened outside of where the kids were, I honestly don't know. There were four of us, so we got around a lot of places. And um, I just think that my parents just didn't do conflict. But what that did for me was meant I had no example of how do you do conflict well. For others of us, maybe you grew up in a home where conflict was rampant and the last thing you want is conflict now because you think about it and you think oh words being said which weren't good things perhaps objects flying even maybe it wasn't just the words which were flying maybe there were tears and distress and as a child you experienced that and thought no way I want conflict Maybe you grew up in a household where you saw it and thought, bring it on, I love this. I wonder what your background is when you see that word conflict, what the heart reaction, what the gut reaction is, whether it's a, oh no, or yeah, come on, I'm glad we're talking about this. It's about time you got onto this subject, Andrew. So today, I'd like to start by asking Three foundational questions. The first one's this. What do we mean by conflict? What, what, do we mean by, what do we mean by this word? Well, I would like to suggest this. It's where there's a strong disagreement. Now, of course, how you gauge strong disagreement, everybody's, different, everybody's got different views on this. Um, 
And it could be over all sorts of different things. It could be over values. It could be over interests. It could be a relational thing. It could be in the family. It could be in work. It could be amongst neighbors, friends, in the home, outside of the home. Uh, Often involves two or more people. But can I just also highlight the fact that conflict can be internal? And we can have self-conflict going on. We can have a conflict in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits about perhaps how we see ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, our body image. Even perhaps a conflict between us and God as well. How do, how do you know, uh, or even the supernatural realm. Some of us have uh, had experiences of conflict in the supernatural realm which uh, weren't godly. They were from, as it were, the dark side. They were of the evil one. And we've seen things where you've got, wow, goodness me, how's that happen? What's going on there? We can have conflict with the environment around us. You could argue that the world, uh, the mankind's in conflict with the world. And there's so much at the moment going on um, in the press and we're reading about global warming and all those sorts of things. And so conflict can be quite broad and wide. And I guess it's fair to say some of us are more likely to enjoy or be involved in conflict than others, perhaps because of our personality types. Um, And so for some of us, that whole thing of conflict becomes harder to manage or uh, we may, may decide to avoid it or embrace it. I guess the second question I ask myself is, is conflict always wrong? You may say, well, surely conflict, you can't have conflict. Conflict doesn't exist in the Bible, doesn't it? Actually, let's just think about this for a moment. Disagreements can actually be a really helpful thing because we all need our views, our actions, our beliefs, our values to be Challenge, that's what causes us to grow, which causes us to mature. It's part of the process of loving one another enough that we actually engage rather than just let somebody get away with a particular view or opinion. It's, it can be part of how we do discipleship. If you think about Jesus and his disciples, you may not want to use the word conflict. You may just say, well, there was a disagreement, but there were some quite strong disagreements recorded in the Bible. And of course, it's not just Jesus and his disciples. That happened with the Pharisees as well. Or you go into further into the New Testament and Paul falls out with Barnabas over John Mark. John Mark in Acts 15, he deserts them on a, he's deserted them on a previous missionary trip. And Paul falls out with Barnabas over whether John Mark should come on the next trip or not. Such that Paul and Barnabas go separate ways. And Barnabas takes John Mark. Can I also highlight the fact, though, that that actually ends up with Paul being restored to John Mark? And you can read about that in Colossians 4 and 2 Timothy 4. So it seems that there's some conflict happens in the Bible. So is all conflict wrong? There does seem to be, though, a fine line between this and anger, which, of course, can lead to sinful behavior. Hence, in Ephesians Ephesians 4, we're going to read this in a moment. In your anger, do not sin, which is quoting Psalm 4.4. James 1.20, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God 
desires. So where conflict leads to unrighteous behavior, sinful anger, that's wrong. Third question. What's the world's model? Sorry, that's a, there's a typo there. I'm not sure how it's got. How's the world's model of conflict? What's the world's model of conflict? Let's just understand that the world's model of conflict is broken. Not all, but a lot. Particularly in common culture, in popular culture. TV shows. Uh, blogs, Facebook, or whatever else other social media you may want to look at, websites, the model of conflict which is most dominant is about pride. It's about ego. It's about shouting. It's about anger. It's about winning battles. Because surely there's some other model we need to adopt. Surely there's something else which we can uh, understand a different way of doing conflict. So if you have your Bible with you, can I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4? Notes together, and so the, the first few verses are, won't appear, and then after that it will appear on screen. So Ephesians chapter 4 of a passage which we often refer to, which you may think, yeah, I know what's in Ephesians 4. It's all about apostles and prophets and evangelists and things like that, isn't it? Yep. But the second half of Ephesians chapter 4 has this subheading, living as children of light. In other words, living as disciples of Jesus. What's it mean to live as disciples of Jesus? And Ephesians 4, uh, we're going to break into the middle of the passage. 4.22 says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, uh, falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And then in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, we read this. My dear brothers, take note of this. It's interesting when you know, uh, uh, somebody writing, somebody communicating says this. Yeah, hey, take note of this. It's sort of like, okay, there's an important thing coming up. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life. That God desires. Conflict. So how can we do conflict well? What can we learn from the scriptures about conflict? Well, I've got three questions. What's often going on behind most conflict? Because I think if we can understand what's at the root of conflict... That may help us to then learn how to change and adjust. The passage we read from Ephesians 4 talks about taking off of the old and putting on of the new. That is changing in how 
we live life. And uh, I would like to suggest to you that the heart of the issue of conflict is there's often a battle raging inside that person or those people involved in the conflict, a battle to win, a battle to be right, a battle to justify our own opinions or our actions. Or sometimes the battle going on in the person isn't to win, but is actually I'm going to be trodden on again. And this is just going to justify my sense of self-worth. This is going to justify the fact that I'm useless, the fact that I'm unwanted, the fact that I'm unloved. And both ultimately stem from a root of putting ourselves first and not understanding who we are in Christ. It's time for us to change from the old to the new. The Bible talks about when we become Christians, we're born again, we start again, we have a fresh new life. Well, where's all that come? Where's that come from? Well, fundamentally, the key here is love. That we get to enjoy the love of God. That we get to enjoy the fact that God loves us and cares for us. Therefore, I don't need to win a battle. I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to put one over on somebody else to make myself feel good. Why would I need to do that? If I'm loved by God... If God's love is perfect, then why do I need to make this issue, whatever it may well be, why do I need to fight? Why do I need to move into a place of conflict? Unless, of course, I'm acting out of love for the person who I'm engaging with. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, Andrew, are you really seriously saying that when my reputation's on the line, I don't need to defend it? I mean, how far does this extend? How far should this affect my life? If you're saying I can trust God, that God loves me, I can live in the love of God, I can be secure in my identity in Christ, are you saying then that when somebody's having a go at me, I don't need to have a go back? Yes. You don't need to have a go back. You don't need to escalate it. You don't need to win anything. In Exodus 15, Moses says this, the Lord is my strength and my defense. That's my summary, so that's not a direct quote. That I can trust God. I can trust God with my reputation. I can trust God to defend me. I can trust God to look after me. I can trust God in every situation and circumstance. Really? Can you? Can I? Can I trust him to be my defense? Can I trust him to look after me? Can I trust him to protect me? Surely I've got to stand up and fight. Surely I've got to justify myself. No, you don't. We've just been singing, haven't we? Lord, I will put my trust in you. We've been singing that. I will trust in you alone. Will we? 
I didn't request that song, but wow. Powerful song to be singing today when we're talking about conflict. Can we trust God alone? Can we put our trust in God alone? Will we? Maybe the can be question is not the issue. Maybe, yeah, we know that I can trust God. I, of course I can trust God. Maybe the question, though, is will I trust God? Enjoying God's love frees us to love others well. As we embrace God's love, as we embrace the grace of God, as we enjoy who we are in Christ, loved children, precious children, as we embrace the grace of God, that we haven't deserved anything apart from eternal separation from God, we can be free to not have to justify ourselves, to not have to prove ourselves. It's a choice. Choice. Will I trust God? Will I trust him? Let's move on. Second, I want to ask the question is, what's, what drives us to conflict? What's underlying everything? Yeah, maybe um, it's trying to look after myself and that sort of stuff. But is there something deeper which may be driving us to a place of conflict? Maybe there's unresolved pain. Hurt. Not feeling heard by the other person. Unresolved anger. To resolving these roots, if they're in our lives, is forgiveness. Taking hold of the forgiveness of God, enjoying it, letting it shape our lives, and also forgiving others. If we don't, if we hold on to anger, just been reading about that in Ephesians 4:26. Don't let the sun in your anger do not sing. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Is that a, is that a, a, a figurative language? Is that, is that literally saying what it's saying? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yes. If you're angry today, you've got until, well, I don't know, 10 o'clock tonight, 9 o'clock tonight. Get it fixed. Get it sorted. Get it resolved. Don't leave any longer. And actually, if you're going to do that, why not get on with it and get it resolved now? What, you mean you can't go to sleep angry? Well, you can, but it will destroy you. It will feed you. It will feed all those fears, and it will fester, and it will grow, and it will take over, and it will influence and shape how we live. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Wow. If I'm not going to resolve my anger, I am at risk of creating a foothold in my life for the devil. 
to give him room in my life. And of course, then <laughs> all that yicky stuff starts to emerge <laughs> as we treat others, as we push people down, as we have to triumph in arguments and disagreements. And it, it grows and it grows and it grows and it takes over our lives. And conflict then suddenly rears its head on a regular basis and starts to destroy relationships and starts to destroy our lives as well as the lives of those we love around us. Unresolved pain and heartache can, can fuel anger. Resolve these things through giving and receiving forgiveness. Starts with receiving God's forgiveness. And from there we forgive others. And I'll just put that a choice. Do you know forgiveness is a decision? It's a choice. It's not just an emotion. A number of times I've helped people pray through issues of forgiveness. And I think I've probably done it myself. Oh, God, help me to forgive. Well, he will. But it doesn't mean that you still don't have to make a choice. There's a choice in forgiveness. Just as there's a choice as we seek God's forgiveness. There's a choice for us to make in forgiving others. Will we? Do we? Do we live in the good of it? Let's move on. Andrew, from what I've heard, therefore, you may be asking this question, isn't avoiding all conflicts the best thing? I mean, surely, you know, based on what you've just explained, isn't that the best thing to do? Shouldn't we just fear conflict? Shouldn't we allow that to stop us? Well, as I suggested earlier, the, the issue is if we're going to love one another well, We've got to love enough to challenge. We've got to love enough to disagree. It's how we challenge. It's how we disagree. It's how we love one another. How we speak the truth in love. That we, we, we put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our neighbor. Because we're members of one body. Yeah, that's, that's what we read, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Here, we're talking about the church, but actually it applies to the world around us as well. But let's start in the church. If we can't speak truthfully, then we're going to embrace falsehood. So it does need to happen, yes. It's just how we do it. We're called to be disciples, to help each other, to mature in Christ. So speaking the truth in love, we all need each other to help us mature as disciples of Jesus. We all have a responsibility. Now, whether you want to call that conflict or not, or dis disagreements, or just loving each other well, I really don't mind what we call it, but let's love each other well. Because we're encouraged to do that in Scripture. 
God will use that for our good. So, four steps we can all take. Let's try and ground this down. Four steps we can take. Let's develop a healthy mindset about conflict. Let's see that it can be totally destructive if we allow it to be like that. But let's at the same time recognize and understand that actually we need to love each other well. Second thing, well, I've already said it, love others and yourself well. If you can't love yourself, you're going to struggle to love others. Third thing, resolve things as they happen with forgiveness, both seeking forgiveness and offering forgiveness. That's about speaking the truth in love. Don't let things fester. I think I've said this before, yeah, but yeah, if you bury something in the ground, it rots. And when things rot, it smells and it stinks and it decays. And that's like if you bury stuff in your life, uh, uh, things which you aren't forgiving. It will rot and decay in your life and it will stink. And it will lead to heartache and pain later on for you and for others. Let's resolve things well. And therefore, let's be generous with one another. Now you may say, hang on, what do you mean generous with one another? We define generosity in this church as this, seeing the best, seeking the best, a sharing of our best. Let's see the best in one another. Let's make choices to see the best of one another. Let's not doubt people's motives. Let's trust them. Let's seek the best for one another. What do you mean by seek the best for one another? Well, let's look to do one another good. Simple as that to help one another to mature as disciples of Jesus, to grow in the grace of God. And then let's share of all the goodness that God's given us and poured into our lives with each other and the world around us. Friends, let's receive God's love well. Let's be great at resolving our differences. Let's love one another and the world around us well for God's glory. And in so doing, let's have great relationships. Relationships which reflect something of the grace and mercy of God, which we've found. Amen? I'd like us to pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and convict us of where we've got things wrong. In your grace and mercy, don't, you don't come to condemn us, but you come to draw us back to the grace of God. Holy Spirit, we ask, convict us. Convict us where we've blown it. Convict us where we need to seek your forgiveness, Father. But 
also where we need to go and seek others' forgiveness. Where we need to make amends. Where we need to see relationships restored. going to pause for a moment i'm trusting the holy spirit is gonna just put some names and people situations in our hearts that we need that he wants to uh, uh, cause us to address some of them are going to be really long-standing historic issues you know as i was preparing this i was reminded of something which happened seven years ago in my life which i thought i'd forgiven i thought i'd addressed and I found the spirit of God speaking deep into my heart and life, saying, Andrew, but you've held this attitude. You think you've forgiven. You made it look as though you've forgiven, but you're holding on. I believe the spirit of God's going to do that for some of us here. For some, it's going to be something very recent, maybe something with your spouse, something with your children, something with your parents. Something with your neighbours. For some, it's going to be disputes which have been ongoing for literally decades. And the Father's calling us to a resolution. Help us, Lord. Help us to see what you're wanting to do. Spirit of God, we look to you. And we say we put our trust in you completely. We'll trust in you alone. That means we'll forsake all other things. us to live that out by your spirit in your grace Lord Amen Amen we're uh, bringing things to a conclusion Andrew I hope you've got a couple of announcements I'm going to hand back to you now Thank you Andrew yeah we're um, running a bit I will be brief with these so this Thursday we've got a prayer meeting um, here at the Mortings at 8 o'clock. Um, it'd be great to see um, uh, loads of you there um, to join us um, praying for with um, uh, one another. Um, the details of that will also be in Karen's update, um, in a weekly update. If you don't get that, then um, please go and speak to Karen or speak to myself, Andrew, and we'll make sure that um, you get the detail, we get your details so that we can add you onto that list. Um, yeah, and if something um, that Andrew is speaking of today has touched you, please don't go without speaking to someone. I know we haven't really got any time to do a time now before picking up children, but um, please do find someone to chat that through with, pray with, um, whatever um, it needs to be for you. Um, don't leave that as just a moment um, for the service. Um, 
So yeah, that's it for today. Parents, please go and pick up your children and thank the um, children's workers, the source downstairs. And um, we've got teas and coffees out in the cafe area. Um, so please do stay and chat. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week.